It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder take care of business against the Charlotte Hornets. And SGA has one of his best halves of the season. Is Mark going to coach the All-Star Game and more on today's bonus Locked On Thunder podcast? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and beat writer for InsideTheThunder.com as part of Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. Let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder getting a big win over the Charlotte Hornets in the literal sense of margin of victory, taking care of business versus the Buzz City crew. And is Mark going to coach the All-Star game? What stood out from this one is SGA has his best half of the season. Again, thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Let's dive in. So the Thunder in this game, I I think that the biggest takeaway from the game is the fact that the Thunder responded and they answered to a challenge. They answered to something uh, that you were you were hoping that they would, right? You go against Sunday to, uh, to the Pistons in Detroit, and the Thunder just did not have their typical juice, didn't have their typical energy, intensity, defensive just engagement level. They were settling for for you know not great shot quality shots. Like it just was not a Thunder game. Whenever you're playing one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, you know, that's bound to happen at times. That happens to a lot of NBA teams, uh, including some of the best in this season, like Boston, losing to these very Hornets earlier this year. So whenever you look at this game, obviously, no Lamella Ball, no Mark Williams. Like, the Hornets are bad anyway. It, it's not going to be a prestigious win, but just the simple, you know, 180 result from what you saw on Sunday to now, I think showed that this team, and you could tell this team was on a mission to prove and to show you know, themselves and show everyone else that Sunday is not a proper representation of who they are. Because it wasn't just that the Thunder were falling into buckets and the Thunder were having their way because the Hornets are so bad. You go back and watch that opening segment and how Cason Wallace is flying all over the floor. The Thunder are active in the passing lanes. I mean, for goodness sake, SGA, even you know the superstar, the leader of this team, 
uh, for the Thunder. Even he was involved in the defensive action as he has been all year, leading the NBA in steals. Uh, and, and in this one, it was no different. Five steals, three blocks. So even he had five steals and three blocks, and he did not even play 30 minutes. He played 29 uh, minutes and 53 seconds. So with SGA, you've seen it all year long, him bring that defensive intensity and him bring uh, kind of the the effort on both ends and the motor to do that on both ends. But to do it in a game against Charlotte is still impressive, even though that's his reputation now. It's still impressive because of you know, the simple fact of it's easy to be low to sleep, so to say, by your opponent. But a response to what happened early this week is huge for Oklahoma City. I thought that SGA was great, obviously. Cason Wallace was incredible in this game. And then we're going to get into some more stuff about it. But you know, you're going to have games like this. Like on top of the Hornets being bad, this just felt like a game uh, where, especially if you take away like some of the garbage time stuff that happened, this just felt like a game where the Thunder were always going to win on a night like tonight. The Thunder were always going to uh, find success tonight when you shoot 58% from the floor, 47% from three, and 77% at the charity stripe. Some of that is due to just how bad the Hornets are and, and, and their lack of defense. Uh, but a large chunk of it is the Thunder were just making shots. And there's going to be a large, you know, you know, contingent of like 10 games or so where you're just not going to hit water out of a boat. There's going to be 10 more games where you just cannot miss. And your season is defined by those middling games, uh, you know, between those two spectrums. And so this is a game where on top of you know, bringing the intensity on top of uh, setting the tone in this game versus a worse team, the Thunder also had the benefit of a really good shooting night from their team. But I really think that the uh, ability to turn offense into defense and to scrap on the glass, the Thunder won the rebounding battle 44-35 to 35 in this game uh, and were able to turn the Hornets over 14 times. The Thunder did have 16 turnovers of their own right. But, you know, again, you got to take out the garbage time and, and some of the turnovers from uh, secondary units where things were just kind of more lackadaisical. Like, for example, Michich had three turnovers in this game. Lindy Waters had two of those turnovers in this game. Uh, you can give one to Keontae and one to Olivier Saar. Like, the, those add up pretty quickly in the grand scheme of things. Not, of course, their absolute best ball security game because, like, you're usually going to see Michich not turn the ball over three times uh, as a playmaker, I think, in this league as he gets more um, opportunities and more adjusted to it. But still, uh, a lot of that had to do with the circumstances of the game versus, like, them being them being too relaxed with the ball. So I'm not even really concerned about the turnovers. Everything else went Oklahoma City's way, uh, and they were able to, to have a lot of success. Like They were able to match their their ceilings in these games. Like the, the, the fact that they held the Hornets to only 19 points in the first quarter, that matched a, uh, a season low for holding opponents to a season low uh, that they've done two other times, and they did it again in this game. Uh, the the scoring the scoring uh, output offensively was 73 at halftime. That was three points less than what their uh, season best was at intermission so far this year. Their season best was 76. I believe it was against Portland uh, whenever they just had that massive game up there in the Pacific Northwest. So when you look at the center team, obviously it's much better to win than lose. Everyone prefers that winning to losing, but it was just how you did it. It wasn't a it wasn't a flip the switch kind of game where you start out lackadaisical, you start out slow and you're just not into the game, but you're so much better than them that you can turn it on and get, get right uh, down the end. It wasn't a game where you, know, you kind of let, like for example, Portland, the Portland game, the second time that no, the third time, I'm sorry, whenever they, they made it close and they lost because of the, the wacky technical stuff. Uh, the Portland stuff was, you know, the thunder, not that they were sleepwalking that game, so to say, 
but they did let Portland get to their spots and uh, get some confidence as shot makers. And they never really cooled off the whole game for the most part in that contest. Whereas in this game, they put out the fire before it even kind of ignited anything past a little flame, right? So like they put out the fire pretty quickly to where the, the confidence, the energy, the emotion, it was all lost. And the Thunder go wire to wire. And I don't care who you play. I don't care how bad the team is. To go start to finish in the NBA without a lead change, without a tie, and eventually getting a 35-point lead, that is dang impressive. To survive that opening you know, chunk of game, like how easy is it to go you know, two points here, two points there, now, now it's another two points here, now it's 4-2, now it's 6-4, you know, and, and you get to that rhythm, rhythm of scoring before one team separates from the other. To go wire to wire is very tough, um, no matter the circumstances. But I thought that this Thunder team just showed that maturity level and just showed their overall ability to step up in these spots whenever they're, they obviously talked about it at shoot around of, you know, Kenneth Williams talked about how that, that came against Sun, uh, the Pistons Sunday was not them, was not you know, what they want to have as their representation of their, of themselves. And that was not up to their st- standards and stuff like that. And so they made that a point. It looked like, and, and obviously they did so very well. No one, from uh, Charlotte really got loose. Brandon Miller had a really good game for 28 points and, and he shot you know, 58% from the floor. He was fantastic in this game. He's been fantastic for quite some time now. Uh, Brandon Miller has, uh, but other than that, other than him, you know, you're just looking at some, some fine games because somebody had to score uh, to get you up to 106, but it was a laboring 106 because most of those uh, happened whenever the game was no longer competitive or even a remotely NBA basketball game are like 32 of the thunder points were in the third quarter, but 30 and 34 of Charlotte's points were in the second half. Uh, The 34 points in the fourth was just abysmal comparatively to the 21 from OKC, which was their uh, low in the frame in the contest. So overall taking care of business is good. You got to do it again though. Now you're looking to stack these games against some, some one of the lesser teams, of course, with Toronto coming to town. I think that Toronto is a game where it provides you some juice. We talk about games where you either, you either get the juice given to you or, uh, you know, or you have to manufacture it. I don't think that, you know, home or road, you're going to have to manufacture juice to play Toronto. I think that, that Toronto with this team, specifically with SGA and with Lou Dort, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be ready to, to play the Raptors because, you know, something that's it's interesting to think about is that, in, in Toronto, these are some of the games where everyone can watch. You don't need league pass. You, know, you, don't, you don't need to find a way to watch. Uh, you can just enjoy it if you're anyone in Canada to watch You know, two of your, your own very best players. So I can think that they kind of are going to put on a show on Sunday, if I had to guess, uh, as they play the 17 and 31 Raptors. Sunday's game got a lot of stakes attached to it now uh, because of uh, the whole seating and who's going to coach the Western Conference All-Stars. We'll talk about that plus more about this Hornets game all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, my good friends over at FanDuel. Check out FanDuel today because FanDuel is great. It's the best time to go to FanDuel because Super Bowl Sunday is right around the corner. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, all you want to do is find the best seat on the couch, grab your favorite football snacks, and place your super bets. At FanDuel. And when you do, new customers, as they go and place that $5 bet, if you go there, you will go ahead and win $200 in bonus bets 
if it's your first bet for $5. So check it out today at fandle.com slash locked on, fandle.com slash locked on. But you don't have to wait for Super Bowl Sunday. You can bet on NBA action, college basketball action, uh, or get your bets in ahead of time for the big game in a couple of days here next week. Uh, but for example, on the NBA side of things, the Lakers plus six in Madison Square Garden against New York. What will happen in that contest? If you think you know, check it out at fandle.com slash locked on, fandle.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast and the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, what a game this was for the Thunder. Everyone played well. Like It is impossible to pick anyone who did not play you know, a good game or, or, to, or to look to crucify anyone after a blowout like this one. Uh, everyone, for the most part, was good. And those who weren't good, you know, for example, like Kante was a was a minus thirteen, and he was zero for one, and you know he he missed that that shot and had a turnover. The nine minutes is not going to um, summarize good or bad. Even if he had a fantastic game, that's not going to put into context how good he's been this year. Uh, you'd have to dig into the G League to know that, and he's been really really good. He's in the the next up game, like he's been awesome. But like yeah, he technically was a was a minus thirteen. You could be up in arms about. Olivier Saar, who was a minus 10, and um, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, let's say Pokoshevsky, though, while we're talking about the end of the bench real quick. He's kind of had a weird pathway to get here. You know, it was from the start of his career, he was treated like a walk-on, and like anytime he touched the ball, you know, just yell and shoot, yell and shoot once fans were allowed back in the arena. Yell and shoot, yell and shoot to him, like as if he's like some Bill Self's kid on the, on the Jayhawks, right? And then... People kind of got more accustomed to Poku. People, uh, you know, started uh, treating him like a more normalish NBA player. And now it's right back to walk-on status where people were chanting for him to come in the game, erupting whenever he got uh, called upon to check in. And then whenever he was throwing up shots and, and hit the three-pointer and um, hit his free throw, the place was on fire for Poku uh, in what, you know, might've been a curtain call, so to say. Now let's talk about, the, the meat and potatoes of things, SGA, 31 points, three rebounds, nine assists, five steals, three blocks in this game, mostly in the first half. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the first, just the driving force for OKC. What's interesting about him getting to 31 points? Because he leads the league in doing so and getting to 31 point games. And you know, this is kind of ho hum for him now. Is the streak of 10 point quarters, 10 points in the first quarter. Then you move on to the second quarter and he had eight points in five minutes. He nearly had a 10 point second quarter. And then you move on to the third quarter and all of a sudden, what do you know? 13 points there. So, you know, whenever you have it like that as a score and you can, you can, carry it while, again, the 10 points in the first quarter, he started out 
with four straight assists. And there was about, I think it was four minutes in. He had four straight assists or four assists total at four minutes in. Charlotte calls a timeout and SJ hadn't had a shot attempt yet. And he still got to 10 points in that frame. He was on it on the offensive end. There was nothing that the Hornets could do to stop him. In fact, the more that they tried to stop him, the more that SJ just exploited them. He had this beautiful up and under fake, which set up Chet Holmgren uh, because two defenders bit on his up and under fake and Chet was able to get a slam uh, with no one uh, paying any attention to him because of how good SGA is. But I just cannot praise enough his defensive efforts. This has been something that you can track all season long and all of last year even. He has been uh, really good defensively, and I am very comfortable saying he is the very absolute best two-way superstar that there is in the NBA uh, that, that's in the, these MVP conversations. I mean, Kawhi, if you want to still call him a superstar, uh, would fit that mold, uh, depending on your classification of you know Paul George and whenever they're playing engaged basketball over there as they are right now and playing fantastically, by the way, the Clippers are. Uh, but you know those two guys, if you still count them as superstars, uh, they are, you know, two-way guys. But like overall, you typically see the Lucas and and, and those kind of players. Uh, Trey Young is another player who's not a superstar, but like another player, that's one-sided player on the floor. You know, rarely do you get an SGA, who I think is even better than Tatum. You know, it is splitting hairs because Tatum also plays defense, but better than Tatum at, at playing both ends of the floor and being engaged and and being just a good overall defender. To do that against Charlotte, and and to do that from opening tip against Charlotte, not whenever the game gets tight or not whenever you desperately need a possession or desperately need a stop. That's abnormal. That's abnormal for these guys in these conversations, in these in these tax brackets, so to say. When you're an all-star starter and when you're in the MVP conversation and whenever you have these accolades piling up and, and you're in these historic conversations of, of statistics and everything else, how often do you see that those kind of players yeah, they they might be very capable defenders, and like if they really were locked in defensively, they'd be good defenders. But they, you only get their locked in defense at like the the end portion of the game or against high quality opponents and, and for circled matchups. But getting it against Charlotte is very impressive from SGA. And going back to Sunday, like SGA was was your you know beacon of hope. He tried to will this team to a win, but then you had to kind of call it quits at the end wisely as as you had a first night of a back to back. So SGA was just great. Uh, in this one, Chet Holmgren, also great. Cashed in three threes out of six attempts. The, the, the step-in transition uh, threes will be awesome. The step-in trailing threes are awesome in this game. Six rebounds from him. Uh, again, on, on, on 23 minutes, six rebounds with three assists and one steal. I'm not really sure why Charlotte, I don't know if they didn't have a scouting report, didn't do any scouting, but they kept trying uh, Chet Holmgren at the, at the rim, and it was not working. He officially goes down with two blocks, but goodness, he made his presence known in this game. It was just impossible to get shots at the rim that were quality looks. Uh, and he did a, he did a mighty fine job of protecting the ring. Wiggins was awesome off the bench, had a step back three, which just was a icing on the cake moment. Jay will continues to play extremely well. And I think that he can really fit the, and help the thunder in the rotation for some time. Now this is the same time where he rounded, rounded into form last year. Obviously, last year was under different circumstances. Uh, it, it was injury-based, and he was a rookie, and he was getting G League time to, to really hone in on his game. But here we are again, you know, the you know, end of January-February stretch, you know, mid-January-February stretch, and he's playing high-level basketball for a bench player, and that's what you need in 18 minutes. He, he did his job effectively, uh, effective rebounder, seven uh, uh, points from him, eight rebounds from him in just 18 minutes. 
And then one block, he's becoming more of a, a rim resistor, uh, not really a deterrent, but a resistor, uh, because he can he can now hit you with some blocks. He can hit you with, uh, with a charge. Speaking of blocks, by the way, to circle back to Chet, he had one block that was so emphatic and just spiked it into the crowd, which he rarely does. But when he does, and he really does because he, he tries to keep him in play to kind of set up uh, his team. It's, it's smart to try to keep it in play. It's, it's, it's really silly at times to spike it. Sure, you, you can spike it out of bounds and, and have your celebration, but if you just kind of lightly block it, you know, quote-unquote lightly block it and keep it in play and you get a transition out of it, you get the block and your team gets the bucket and you've really demoralized the club. But there's there are certain angles where, like for example, whenever they're driving baseline like they were on that play, you have really no choice but to just throw it out of bounds. Like it's it, it's almost impossible to keep that inbounds. And if you do, you almost put yourself in a worse position because the likely scenario is it's either going to go out of bounds anyway, number one, or number two, the offense is probably going to have the better uh, you know kind of inside lane, so to say, to that basketball, and will likely be able to get off a good shot because now. And if you're out of the play, uh, kind of recovering from that initial block. So really good job from him. It was just fun to see him spike one. Case and Wallace. Case and Wallace brought it today, brought the juice. And he was one of the guys that set the tone. I asked Lou Dort about that after the game. Lou Dort was very complimentary of Case and talked about that, that they realized it too, of just how special they can be defensively whenever they play together. Kaysen had one steal, Dort had a block, but they both were getting deflections. They both were frustrating opponents, uh, fighting over screens, staying attached to their men, and uh, playing high-level defense. Two for four from three for Kaysen, uh, two for three from three for, for Lou Dort. They both shot 70% from the floor or better. Kaysen shot 71, Dort shot 75% from the floor. Kaysen had uh, 12 points, Lou Dort had eight. And those two guys were just a nasty, nasty tandem in a positive way. Let's talk if Mark will be the coach of the Western Conference All-Stars and how this all will unfold all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, but your friends over at Prize Picks, check out Prize Picks. Go there right now to prizepicks.com. And when you do, it's available in Oklahoma or download the Prize Picks app. You can pick two to six players, and all you have to do is project whether they have more or less than their prize pick projection. So it's daily fantasy sports made easy because you're not competing with other players. You're not having to worry about going up against just these fantasy sharks who knows way, who know way more than you about this stuff. It's just you versus the numbers. Do you think that Chet Holmgren will have more than one and a half blocks on Sunday? Put that in there. See if you win, uh, you know, whatever the line is from the prize pick projections. Now, I love the fact that you can have a cross-sport entry you can do a little college basketball, a little NBA, all on the same ticket. Uh, you can do the Super Bowl and the NBA, all on the same ticket. The Thunder do play on Super Bowl Sunday. But what I love the most as an NBA fan is that Prize Picks is the only place to offer you a reboot policy. It's an injury insurance policy on your entry, so you don't have to worry that like, well, the only time I can really set my entry would be around 9 a.m. But in the NBA, it's even worth doing because so often. Uh, these guys just randomly set out of games. Not the case with, with prize picks. You can comfortably set your entry at 9 a.m. and know that you're you're secure no matter what happens during the games if you get kind of busy throughout the day and can adjust. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA, or use the code locked on NBA for your first deposit match up to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles and on threads at Ryland underscore Styles. And check out InsideTheThunder.com. Now, the question is, will Mark be coaching the Western Conference All-Stars? This win, combined with a magic win over the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Orlando Magic, Orlando Magic, Orlando Magic, oh, 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 Orlando Magic. Okay, well, we'll not do any more of that. But uh, that put the Thunder back in first place, and people had a whole hubble blue about if Mark will coach the All-Star game. And the bottom line is we don't know yet because it's not as simple as the traditional tiebreaker. So the traditional tiebreakers for uh, the playoff seating would go to your division record after it goes to your overall record, then head to head, then it would go to your divisional record for the all-star game. Guess what? You're not coaching your, your Northwest division all-stars. You're coaching your Western conference all-stars. So it goes from your overall record to head to head record to conference record. It actually does make a lot of sense, even though it is confusing of like, why would they have two different tiebreakers um, for playoffs versus for coaches? I can see the confusion, but when you take a step backwards, it is it is actually pretty logical by the NBA. Now, you can argue it's not logical to do the postseason based on divisions. You should just do both of them by conference, but I digress. We'll talk more about that in Styles Points on InsideTheThunder.com. Now, end of the day, here's what's going to happen. These are the clinching scenarios for the Western Conference All-Star Coach. Will Mark be in Indianapolis? Indiana. So, Coach Finch, up in Minnesota, he clinches with a win on Sunday. All you got to do is beat the Houston Rockets, and it's a it's a it's a party in Minnesota. Short flight on a bird over to Indiana for the Thunder. They have to beat Toronto, and they need a Minnesota loss. If that happens, Mark's hopping on a bird going up to Indiana. Hopefully, on the same flight, that'd be a lot of fun for the Clippers. They'll clinch. If they win, plus the Thunder and the Timberwolves lose. So Ty Lu could still hop on a bird and go to Indiana. Cannot think of a of a you know kind of longer flight in the scheme of NBA cities for the All-Star games. I guess Portland to Orlando. Like if they're if you're the Portland coach or it was hosted by Orlando or vice versa, that'd be a longer flight to go coach an all-star game, but it doesn't really matter. Now We'll see what happens. It is. It would not shock me a bit if Minnesota drops a game to Houston just based upon uh, how they've gone so far this year and the kind of wackiness of their season. Both teams having a great season. Uh, but, of course, it, wouldn't, it would, would not shock me to see them lose. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see anything happen in the NBA. But the Thunder do have an uphill battle. They're not in the driver's seat as they are for the one seed. They're in the driver's seat for the one seed. They're not in the driver's seat for uh, – coaching the all-star game, which I don't, I get it. I get the jokes. I like the jokes. It's funny of like, Oh, Mark, 
Mark would not like coaching the all-star game guys. Like, is he tanking away these games? I don't know. Like, he just, he really hates it. I don't, I don't think he hates it. I think he's funny. I think that he's like very uh, sarcastic and, and very insightful also when you ask him basketball questions, but he has that sarcasm to him. He has that personality to him. Mark, Mark would coach the all-star game gladly. He would love to coach the all-star game just like as an honor. He's not going to, he's not going to turn his nose up at it as he said, post game at the, at the situation, but he's also not frantically focusing on, on being in Indiana to coach the all-star game. But it would, it would be silly to just truly believe it. Like from the human side of things, he wouldn't enjoy the the ride of being an all-star coach on the NBA all-star game. The only all-star game that still has any meeting meaning in the sense of like fan interaction, fan uh, viewing experience, like f- forget about the conversations that even Shea had last year, post all-star game. And, and, you know, he, you know, kind of his comments were taken and spearheaded the conversation about, uh, you know, them not playing defense and it's not really a real basketball game, whatever. Forgetting all of that still, everyone sits down, everybody watches it. It's still an event. It is still the all-star weekend event. Whereas like the pro bowl this week, some of you just heard that and had no idea it's the pro bowl week. And, you know, and like it will be all-star means nothing now because it, it has no stakes to it. It's just now a baseball game that happens. Uh, you know, so like, this is still like an all-star specialized moment. And I, I think that, you know, it would mean a lot to Mark to, to be there, but you're also not going to say that for, for a lot of reasons. Number one, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of out of your control for the most part. I mean, yeah, you can go win every game and then you're going to be the coach, but you know, they, they don't really, they can't really help if, if Minnesota beats or doesn't beat Houston. And number two, you can't preach all season long and, and like your culture of your team can't be that, you know, you're zero and zero and you're worried about the next thing and, and all this kind of stuff that they preach and that they not only preach, but they practice, right? They practice all those things, top to bottom organizationally, they practice zero and zero and all that stuff. And then keep harping on wanting to be the all-star coach. Like it's not going to be a thing. And it's not going to be a thing that you really even can get excited for in the, in the sense of preemptively, like all-star voting is huge. Uh, you know, advocating for a, a, a fan's vote is huge or for your peers to recognize you as, uh, you know, one of the best players in the NBA or coaches or media to recognize you as one of the best players in the NBA. This isn't a voted upon thing. It's just the arbitrary, like who's at the top of the standings. And, you know, it's really more complex than that because with Boston being number one in the, in the East, you can't coach the all-star game back-to-back years. That's going to fall down to potentially Doc Rivers, who, who I don't even think he's won a game yet. He has not won a game yet as head coach of Milwaukee. So it's, it's a rather silly thing in the sense of like the hoops you got to jump through to get to be the all-star head coach, but it would be cool to do so. But that's how he does it. Uh, be monitoring the Thunder game Sunday, obviously. And then also what the Wolves and Rockets do, because even though uh, the, the all-star game is still a few, um, I guess a week, two weeks away, it still ends Sunday to have all that finalized uh, on who the coach is. And then the teams are pre, you know, before injury replacements start coming out for guys like Joel Embiid, and then possibly, of course, Julius Randle, who has a shoulder in, uh, injury. So we'll see. But that's how he has to do it. So this weekend, you'll be able to know uh, if Mark will be the head coach or not. We'll have you covered for all of that and more here on Locked on Thunder. So until next time, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.